Welcome to The Coat Hanger on 2SER 107.3. We acknowledge the traditional owners of the land on which we broadcast and record this show, the Gadigal of the Eora Nation, and we pay our respects to Elders past and present. The Coat Hanger is a show and podcast where we tackle women's footy with a Sydney view. I'm your host, Fiona Lamb, and I'm joined by... Emma Phillips. And Nat Morgan, back on Gadigal ground. Woohoo! In this week's show, we look at highlights from the preliminary finals, the prelims. I still can't say that word, the preliminary Just go prelims. finals. Just go prelims. Prelims. We celebrate the women's voices heard in commentary on the weekend. We get an update on positions in our tipping comp. And uh, the news isn't good for one Nat Morgan. <laughs> she had to eat humble pie. Sorry, I've got a cross line. <laughs> <laughs> Um, we take a look at the dominance of the teams who got a license in the first year, otherwise known as foundation teams. We might have a little chat about the All-Australian team. But first, guess what's happened at Melbourne Football Club? They have announced a new president, Kate Roffey, who's, she's actually currently the vice president. And uh, she's the first female president for Melbourne, obviously, because the only other female president in AFL uh, is Penny Peggy O'Neill. So this is really exciting. And um, she is the 22nd president for the club, for Melbourne Football Club. So I just reckon that's really exciting. I think that with the issues that are now being raised across the nation, um, it's interesting to see that sport is responding. AFL specifically is responding, even if our government is not. But let's move on. Let's talk about the prelims. Oh, my God. What a cracker. Let's talk about um, Adelaide versus Melbourne. Nat Morgan, it pains me to tell you this, but you were right about Melbourne. You said they'd they'd had their run of good luck, good playing, good energy, and that was it. <laughs> it couldn't – yeah, it can't continue, can it? It couldn't continue. They had a good run, but they ran out of legs and they looked exhausted there, uh, nothing flowed, and I don't want to just explain the fact Daisy wasn't there because they did it without her. But they were struggling from the outset. Uh, couldn't get on the. In fact, they didn't kick a goal to the last quarter. I think about half time. I might have sent you a message saying that Melbourne's, you know, accuracy could cost them. But what they end up kicking M one goal nine was that one right? One goal nine for the D's. One Not, goal nine. We decided at the end of the game, didn't we, that it, they can't win finals kicking one nine, but they'd have a really good game against Geelong. <laughs> Double Geelong score, probably. Yep. Yeah. Top. But um, it was um, it was a bit disappointing, wasn't it? You we'd waited all you know all season for these you know top four teams to be playing off against each other, and it just didn't eventuate. Adelaide were just far too strong. Yeah, and look, and that was with losing Chelsea Randall in the early stages of the game too. And, you know, we now know that she's been ruled out for the grand final, which is a great shame for everybody watching footy and especially for the Adelaide Football Club. But, uh, you know, that the interesting for the Crows that they won and they won well without Randall and also Phillips having a relatively quiet game. Now, she did kick two goals, but by her standards, she was a little bit down. So, you know, everybody around them rallied and, uh, you know, certainly... Uh, 
sent Melbourne back to Melbourne. Um, I was quite intrigued, though, at how many free kicks were given away in the first quarter. Did you guys notice that? They were And it was just, I mean, it was a frenetic pace, no surprise for a prelim final, I suppose. But there were so many especially high free kicks given away. Um, And I think, you know, sort of a, there's a fair bit of undisciplined activity on the part of both sides, but almost like too much eagerness to win the ball. You just have to, you know, look, and maybe the the premiership will go to the team next week who has the most calm from the outset, who can actually be composed under that kind of pressure. And I I think Adelaide has that, really. Yeah, I think you're right, Em. Sorry, Fee. That's all right. Go ahead, Nat. Uh, Look. Yeah, no, I was just going to say that it is. It's the game, the team who has started well in the first quarter and can go on with it, who has won most of the games, all the top tussles anyway. And you can't look at Fremantle. They gave away a big lead in the last four weeks and you can't turn it around against a good side. So you're right, Emma, it'll be the team that settles the best and you would think that Adelaide in Adelaide will be able to do that easily with their own routine, no flying, um, you know, anywhere interstate or anything like that. They'll have their own change rooms, their fans, their family, all that sort of thing. I can't see any reason why Adelaide won't just settle in very smoothly and dominate next week, I think. Mm. Well, we'll I get to previews to later. <laughs> but... What's that, Fee? <laughs> we'll get to previews later. Let's <laughs> just stick to this Morgan. game. Jumping, um, jumping. I think, I think it's telling um, what you said before. Um Erin Phillips had a quiet game. She only kicked two goals. It, it, I think we're just a little bit too used to the spectre of or, or the wonder of Erin Phillips. She's a phenomenal athlete. She's 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 just great. And and so the entire Adelaide team just linked up. It was it was a it was like a dance. It was just beautiful to watch mm. their football. Um, it was and 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 so they just dominated throughout. It was it was. Very upsetting. I wanted Melbourne to win, <laughs> but but from a from the perspective of, of just watching a, a football game, Adelaide are just um, head and shoulders above Melbourne, or they were on the day anyway. Yeah, yeah, and some of their lesser lights, like um, you know, Chloe Shear played a brilliant roll up forward, and I'm a big fan of Aloise Jones actually, who I think often flies a bit under the radar, probably not to Adelaide fans, but maybe to the rest of the footy world. Um, one of those sort of lesser. Lesser lights compared with the, the Phillipses and the Randalls of the team, but gee, she stepped up. You know, I think they've got a lot to worry about next week, Brisbane. And uh, Ebony Marinoff again had a oh, great game. She had thirty-five touches, didn't she? Yes, it's she it's did. just a phenomenal individual effort in a team with superstars. Yeah. Yeah, Marinoff, not just those 35 disposals, but 18 tackles I think she had as well. Like she was either on the ground or kicking or running. She didn't stop for a second, did she? But um, I was impressed with um, Sarah Allen's game down back Mm. as well. How good she been this year? She'll be All-Australian or I assume she might have been one of the ones uh, listed today. I think they announced the uh, squad or the team today. I think you're jumping the gun again, Morgan. Again, getting to (laughs) All-Australian. Eager. You know what we'll Eager do? Like the D's. Let's, let's make this Eager. anarchy round. That's me. me. That's the one. Anarchy round. Let's talk about the All-Australian now. We'll move on from that um, prelim match. We'll come back to the um, Brisbane versus Collingwood. But let's talk about the All-Australian. Em, you were making the point that every team has a player in this All-Australian team. Yeah, so it's a 40-person 40, 40 squad and every team is represented in this All-Australian side. And I think there's, uh, you know, there are always some controversies to come out of these kinds of lists each year, but um, some very worthy players included. Probably the two notables 
for me that were not there that are not there is uh, Crows captain Chelsea Randall and um, Blues star Nick Stevens had a really fantastic year and I think is another one of those players who maybe flies under the radar slightly and didn't capture the attention. Enough of the selectors here; she was stiff, but um, otherwise it's a very strong lineup. And so, is that based on stats or is it just based on the vibe of the thing? Do they have um, Do they have the um, <laughs> criteria? published anywhere or is it just I think it goes on vibe feed. A bribery. The vibe or the <laughs> you know, bribe. Who knows? <laughs> That's it. <laughs> Anything more to say about that, Em? No, look, it, it's I could go through it and list, but I think I'll probably Let's bore Let's not do that. You can I, look it up on the yep. AFLW app yep. or uh, on, <laughs> on the uh, website, everyone, which we encourage you to do. All right. Let's rip this bloody Band-Aid off. Morgan, oh my God, those pies. <laughs> Brisbane beat the pies by how many points? Look, I'd look at four. numbers it don't was four. really count, do One, they? One, two, three, four. <laughs> they don't really count when it's a loss. It's a, look, it was very disappointing, but it was a far better game than the game earlier in the day. Uh, close game. Doesn't necessarily always make a close game, a good game, close game, but it was. It was kept everyone intrigued. There was a real mix of uh, toing and throwing. Uh, in the end, I think the main uh, difference was pro Dakota Davidson. She probably won the game off her own boot, and Wasn't she was she consistent across the quarters. On fire. And she, oh, she was fantastic. She was back to a sort of early stunning performance you know when she first you know came onto the scene she's um grown in leaps and bounds I think her turning point this season was the indigenous round where I think she had a a real say in the promotion and the jumpers and everything and she really seemed to step up that week and I reckon she's leaps and bounds she was she was a definite star um a highlight probably was the uh coat hanger tackle that Shani Layton put on, sorry, Norda, um, <laughs> nearly killed the kid, but she was apologetic straight away, wasn't she? It was a good, it was the old classic coat hanger, arm out, you know, went yep, flying, the poor certainly kid. certainly was. So was what it? are you saying, that the old coat hanger is okay to do as long as you apologise for it straight away? <laughs> oh, totally. I mean, did, I, I've got through my whole career with that, product, <laughs> that, that theory as well. So, uh, <laughs> Just to clarify, the it coat was, hanger it does not accident. endorse violence. <laughs> We explore it, though. So the coat hanger doesn't endorse coat hangers, is that right? Well, we endorse them. We explore 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 their prevalence in the world. (laughs) Um, I do Mm -hmm. want to say Um, that the hand of God or the ball of God was in play again um, in this match um, to the detriment this time of Collingwood. Now, they they benefited from the bounce of the ball – I don't know what happened there. They benefited benefited from the bounce of the ball again. You put benefited and preliminary together in a sentence. No. Please. (laughs) My preliminary assessment of of the benefit. Yeah, look at that. Um, So, yes, in this game, um, I couldn't couldn't understand. Now, I can't remember who actually kicked – had the kick for goal. But Sarah Rowe. It was Sarah Sarah Rowe. And she – so she – Flicked around the back of the um, post. I thought, where are you running? And I actually thought she'd kick the goal and she was doing a kind of a soccer celebration. Um, and then I realised that the ball had actually come within, it seemed to be like 30 centimetres of the of the line and then bounced the other way. And, and that was, that actually would have been the difference. It would have, it was much earlier in the match than just, you know, at, at the final 
um, near the final siren. But the momentum they would have gained from getting that goal would have potentially changed the outcome. It certainly would have made the difference in in the score. But we'll never know. And we accept this because we accepted it last week. It's how it is. It's the bounce of the ball. It's how this crumbles. This is the third week in a row I think we've spoken about the bounce of the ball and it actually has had a significant impact on the outcome of the game. And yet again, I think it's a nice chance to say how fantastic it is that in this code of football we have such a strange bounce of the ball because it keeps that unpredictable element to the game which we all hate at times and love at times don't we but a round ball would have just sailed on through very predictably so you know and, and just to add to what you were saying very quickly you know Sarah Rose kick looked like a beauty off the boot looked like it was sailing right through the middle and it hit it must have been just an inch or two before the goal line and literally bounced back about as far as it could in the opposite direction away from goal you know you couldn't have written that she could never do it again it would never happen off her boot again and probably go through nine times out of ten so you know one of those crazy moments and I feel for you Nat happened to North last <laughs> week and I really do feel for you <laughs> yeah well you know swings and roundabouts isn't it so uh hey they bloody you went Didn't and played Brazzle up forward again at the start of the match I really thought they would have learned from last week that uh she's best down back I know she had a couple of shots but she also missed those two shots but oh, I'll tell you what there was a ripper she kicked in the last quarter they had a, but you know, she kept the... she kept you in the game in the last minute though true I know that's yeah it was a rip it was a ripper that one the running running kick and uh just she took that mark it was with uh, a minute to go yeah, no, exactly. Kept us uh, oh, nearly in it, but um, not to be this year. But what I'd say, ripper year by Collingwood, um, huge improvement on uh, where they've come from the last couple of you know seasons. It's been a great turnaround, and uh, yeah, I look forward to what they can do in the uh, in the coming season. All right, let's leave that there. Let's talk now about the dominance of the teams who got their license in the first year, and they're also known as foundation teams. M. Yeah. Look, it's interesting, isn't it? So this is this is Adelaide's third grand final in five years. This is Brisbane's third grand final in five years. And if you look at the ladder, the um, top spots on the ladder at the end of this season, we had the top five teams were all foundation members, so all from 2017. Um, I think that's a really significant stat, and I I don't know exactly where we go with this or what we propose to do to even up the competition, but. It is significant. And, you know, there's a lot of talk about teams like North Melbourne coming in and sort of picking off great players from side that had been there from 2017. But actually, that side went further than North Melbourne. Those sides went further than North Melbourne did. Um, and you've got, you know, Richmond at the bottom, Gold Coast at the bottom. You've got Geelong hovering at the bottom. What is the answer to this, do we think? Or is it too soon to worry about, are we expecting them to get better in the next couple of years organically? Well, the point but- has been made that these... Um- secondary teams or they call them expansion teams don't they um have started at a level higher than 2017 so the higher than the level that the foundation team started at so the quality of play is still improving um and yeah progress is being made in the right direction um so i i i'm okay with it go nat yeah i don't mind the fact that the oldest teams are on top of the ladder. That's what experience does. So I also then don't think it's a problem that the newer teams are down the bottom of the ladder because look where they can be in two or three years' time. Collingwood are on the bottom of the ladder and couldn't win a game just on two and three seasons ago. And look at them now, playing in prelims. So I have no concerns. And so what will then happen when new expansion teams come in next year, the year after, and ever that is, 
it'll be progression, uh, progressive as you go up the ladder with more and more experience. And so those teams who are wallowing at the bottom at the moment, they'll actually get to win games and win, get confidence and experience. And that's how it all changes. So I have no qualms about the scenario at the moment. But Nat, does that, <clears throat> excuse me, does that mean that, you know, the teams that started in 2017 have always got two or three or four years or five years or six or whatever it might be on the teams that come in. So even though you, I agree with you, what you say, they'll, they'll get there with the same amount of time and experience that these teams already have had. But is there always going to be that gap? And if so, does there need to be some redress? Do players need to be taken out of that team? Those teams, I should say, how do we balance it up? Without this kind of salary cap situation that the AFLM has, what do you do to level up the competition? Beyond oh, look, just expecting I, that they'll do it themselves. Yeah, I think totally that the players will uh, move on and play for other teams as they get a bit more experience and perhaps, uh, say like Asta, she left one club uh, to go down to Geelong as a senior player to help them out and, you know, get them going. That, uh, the players who might be coming to the end of their career may go to these new you know, new clubs and help them set themselves up and add to the experience and uh, the knowledge. And um, I think it'll look, it may not balance out totally, but I think, uh, you know, it's just, you've just got to grow the game uh, step by step. And, you know, this is what happens. So you don't think there should be any intervention from the AFL on that? Um, I, look, I would rather they play, spend all their time and effort maybe playing more rounds and give, giving the clubs more experience and worrying about who's going to play in whose team and things like that at this stage. Mm-hmm. Yep. All right. Fair enough. I reckon they could do both, just is my quiet view. You know, And I think expecting older players to sort of organically move to other teams might be a problematic way of dealing with it. I'm not sure if, if they could intervene and say, well, you know, perhaps you have points allocated to players or something like that and you know that sort of points system might then draw high high numbered players to some of the expansion teams I can't see too many players who are established at say Collingwood or North Melbourne wanting to move across to a new Essendon that comes in in a couple of years or you know unless there's an extra incentive well, no one's going to go from Collingwood to Essendon. There are fair, rivals. That's, that's it. Pick another two teams. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Point taken. Fair enough. Let's get an update on the tipping comp. <laughs> now, do you want first uh, first say on this one before first, I jump I, in? Look, first, me. I Cooper. do. I do. With a hand on my heart, I wish to offer an apology to Marianne. <laughs> I've been Just told officially that she has won the competition. We've finally got some details. It's been updated. I was so rude and cocky four rounds out, was it? Four rounds out. And then I choked. And Marianne, you've just you've climbed the ladder to the top. Congratulations. I think Emma, myself and my mate Hales, we all came equal second. So Hayley doesn't need anything, nor do Emma and I. So all the prizes are going to you, Marianne. <laughs> I, Congratulations to I may, um I may cut them and break them and spit on them before I put them in the envelope, but congratulations, Marianne, on the win. Snap the legs <laughs> off the Taylor well, Harris bobblehead. Let's just give uh, final standings to Marianne Georgie finished with a, to- a total points of 50. So as you say, Nat, myself, uh, you and Hayley on 48 and then following that, 47, 47, 47. Many finished on 47. So uh, I've got a feeling, though, in the last round, that you must have scored two from seven because I scored that, three to catch up with you by one. So, yep, disgraceful. Wasn't your, wasn't your finest round? No, no. I, I've never been great at potting the black, you know, going with the black. 
I, in a game of pool, I'd always choke on the glory shot and it looks like that's what happened in this bloody tipping comp as well. Oh, so. Look, the collie wobbles, they, they reach it. out far and wide, don't they? <laughs> that's it indeed. Yeah. <laughs> so we heard quite a lot of female voices in the commentary teams on the weekend. So um, some players, um, one retired player by the name of Courtney Gum. Um, let's talk about that. It's a great thing that um, more female voices are being heard in those um, special comments most of them are doing. Of course, um, is, does Abby Holmes do special comments only or does she do also do play-by-play? Everything's a special comment with Abby. <laughs> we, <laughs> Look, as the now, t- no, 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 I need to say on on the contrary. Oh, no, what did she say? That's it. Oh, yeah, contrary. <laughs> I enjoy Abby, Abby does special comments. I don't think she does the ball-by-ball description. Right. Thank you, Clarify. But Kelly Underwood does. Now, M, you were raising the fact that Kelly copped some flack this week. Do you want to run us through that really, really quickly? Yeah, look, Kelly Underwood copped a whole lot of flack from, uh, mostly on social media, from some, um, largely from men who didn't like to hear a female voice on the commentary of the AFLM. So she covered a match. I think she covered the North Melbourne match on the weekend, actually, the men's North Melbourne match. Um, And, uh, you know, commentated beautifully and it was refreshing to hear a female voice on the footy although actually we're sort of used to it because we've heard a lot of it through the AFLW season Mm. um and she copped it big time and enough that there were some news reports about it and I recall that Kelly actually was in the same kind of commentary role with Channel 7 and I don't know the year perhaps it was eight nine years ago and she was sacked as a result of a lot of that uh, hated the heated comments that came about her commentary afterwards. And again, nothing wrong with her commentary. It was just the higher pitched voice that some listeners found trouble hearing, you know, it's much more traditional in their uh, likes for the way footy is heard. Um, Just very disappointing. I hope that that Fox footy stay with her. I think she's a fabulous commentator. Yeah. I'm sorry. I need to let everyone know that Coach Kiwi has joined us. So Coach Kiwi. Hello. Hey team. (laughs) So Kiwi, you um, why don't you tell us about the course that you joined and what Kelly Underwood had to say about her journey in commentating and her advice to the crew. So first of all, can you tell us what was the course that you did recently? Um, yeah, the ABC did a, um, a weekend or a three-day course um, just really putting female voices through the commentary sort of um, program to training, teach us how to do it, what to do, um, what it looks like, how it feels. We um, did a whole day in their offices learning all about it. We got to practice for a little bit with um, a videotape of a game. And then the next day we actually spent the day at a field, so doing the prep at the field and then uh, in one of the media boxes we had it, we all had to go. There's about 16, 14 of us, or 14 I think. Um, all had a turn at actually calling a real AFLW match. And while we were doing it, we had like some experts watching us and giving us our feedback straight away. And these are people who've been around for a long time at the ABC office. And one of them even gave Kelly Underwood a hand up or is the boss of one of the females that gave her a job in Sydney when she was sacked after um, Channel Channel 9, I thought it was, or Channel 7. But um, Kelly actually spent a lot of time with us. She Obviously, on the Saturday, she didn't. But on the Friday, she was with us on the Sunday and just talked about her journey. She's been doing it for quite a long time. And um, 
absolutely gets attacked week in, week out. So she doesn't have any social media accounts anymore because of that as well. And um, she wasn't the only one. We had a couple of other guys that came in and just gave their view of how it goes and, and what it's like on their, on their side of the uh, microphone, I guess. And um, they all admit that mistakes happen. Like play-by-play -play is particularly hard to do. And no, they all said if they ever got to call a game 100%, um, you know, it'd be a miracle. So, mm. you know, the game just happens so fast. And like anyone who plays the game, you make mistakes as a player, so you make mistakes as an umpire, you make mistakes when they're calling it. Um, it's just, you know, sit in any grandstand and listen to the people around you. They're going to see things different and make mistakes in what they yell out or their interpretation of the rules anyway. But, um you know, certainly it is a tough job. And I can tell you when I was in the hot seat, boy, boy, it is, it's hard play by play. It is really hard to do. Um, special comments. I've done a few games now in the special comment seat and it's a whole lot different. And um, one of the girls from our ABC course actually had her first go yesterday doing um, the special comments. And um, so she came and sat in. I did it on, um, what day would I did it on Saturday here for the Darabin North. Melbourne VFLW game and so she sat in the box with us to sort of learn and take some notes and uh, by the end of it I said it's kind of like sitting back and just talking to your grandma about what you saw in the match so um, hopefully she relaxed and I haven't heard her but everyone said that she did really good um, but yeah I mean I try and add a bit of humor when I do special comments and um, and I guess some people do too much humor I've heard of a couple guests on the show that perhaps um, are constantly making jokes. I guess everyone's got their own little bit of personality. And um, certainly when we did our ABC training, they said to bring that in with our play-by-play -play as well. So we talked about the language that is used um, where we describe parts of the field or particularly when games are just rubbish quality. So you can't talk much about the kick, the catch. You know, if there's continual stoppages or continual the ball is hitting the deck and people are scrimmaging for it, it's really boring to call. So um, so we just talked about other words we could use or things to describe that moment in time. So it's it's a very interesting world, without a doubt. Yeah, great. Uh, Nat, what did you want to say there? Um, Kiwis, just one little tip. If you're going to call them catches, you start commentating the cricket. They're marks, <laughs> all right? But um, <laughs> I've got to say I'm rapt to hear that there's courses being run. I know the um, the Race Sisters ran a program as well, maybe their second season as well, of uh, commentary because just because you're a good player doesn't make you a good commentator. So I'm rapt that there's actually a course available for people who want to do the commentary, and that's especially You don't have to be a player to do the commentary. Yep. Isn't that great? Absolutely. I think um, on our ABC course, out of the 14 on it, 11 had previously done the Making the Call program as well. So um, all, all getting um, extra education, extra training, um, apprenticeships, I guess. All right. Brilliant. Okay, we're going to move on. We actually just – I just want to hear who you think is going to win on the weekend. M. Adelaide. Nat. Yep, Adelaide for sure. Easily. Kiwi. Adelaide. Oh, okay. <laughs> I want Brisbane. It's their third friggin' grand final. It's surely their time has come. Why not? Why can't See, they have it? Why can't we know, have nice things? 
<laughs> Do you know the Brisbane have lost their two grand finals they've played in the AFLW by six points yes, each time? I do ah. know that. And I saw so, who lost it for them at the last one. I'm not going to mention one goal. I was very cranky with her. Oh, my goodness. Everyone needs to watch it. And if you're in Adelaide, you must go along to this match. It's going to be an absolute rip snorter. And um, if you're not there, then shame on you. This is the Coat Hanger Football Radio Show. Catch us every Monday, 7 p.m. on 2SER 107.3 in our pod with extra content in the fifth quarter wherever you get your podcasts. Follow us on the socials. And for the best Harbour Views in women's footy, tune in to to the the Coat Hanger. Hanger.